So the first threesome I ever had was so fucking awkward. You guys, you have no idea. And later in the episode, you'll understand why I'm telling you this story. But picture me, little 17-year-old self, discovering my sexuality on a trampoline with my best friend, who I was kind of into, but I was like unsure about how I felt about that situation. And then an Aussie. I'm really into Aussies, okay? Their accent. Anyway, he was sitting there. He was feeling us both up. And he was like, you guys should totally make out right now. And I'm like, oh my god, yes, yes, yes. And she fucking crushed my little gay spirit so hard. I felt so rejected. So I did the only logical thing, right? I went down to give him a blowjob. Okay. Nobody in this scenario had sexual experience. The awkward vibes were at such a fucking level and her shock well because my my thought process was well she's rejecting me i'll go down on him and i'll make her watch and i'll make her jealous did that backfire or what he couldn't stay hard in this scenario and i took it personally So cute, awkward me, feeling crushed, miserable, rejected, unwanted, and not instigating any sexual scenarios for a minute after this. Okay, so why did I tell that story? It'll make sense in a little bit. This episode, part two with my boyfriend, gets into kink fantasy. We deep dive into healthy BDSM, how porn impacts men. We talk a lot about how porn unfairly represents women, but we don't talk about how how porn can negatively impact men very often so we do that a little bit in this episode and I think it's really good stuff so I'm excited for you to listen to that and then we talk about a couple embarrassing sex stories because who doesn't like sex stories so please listen enjoy I know this is a longer episode but I hope you guys love it and let me know what you guys think Oh, I love a good sugar pussy. (laughs) Kinks and fantasies. Kinks and fantasies. What are the fantasies slash kinks that you're most excited to do with me? Hmm. That you haven't done yet. That we haven't done yet. Hmm? I definitely plan on pushing your limits a little bit in the sense of what we have yet to do, especially involving other people. I have a fantasy of tying you up and fucking someone else. I have a fantasy of fucking someone else while you guide me into them and whisper things in my ear, which I think would be fucking hot as shit. I have a lot of fantasies with you. Um, and many, many of them I fully plan on doing and are in the works already. Oh. Um, kinks, the power dynamic is very much there. There is the kink of involving other people Hmm. and being watched or watching. There's also a kink on my end of spontaneously using you when you least expect it, which is fantastic. If I think of any more, I'll let you know. What kind of fantasies have you gotten to live out before? For a long time in my life, having a threesome was a big deal, and I really wanted to. 
I had one and it was amazing, but it wasn't like the end all be all, which I was kind of surprised at. But it just goes to show how expectations can distort your experience. Yeah, I wanted to ask you if you've ever lived out a fantasy and it didn't go well or didn't go like you expected and Mm -hmm. how you handled it. Historically, I was always into threesome porn because that was just amazing. And like if if one was so good, how, you know, two has to be amazing. Mm -hmm. And it was. And I like that. But it wasn't so much better that it just blew me away and it changed my life and everything like that, you know? Um, And it's kind of a paradox because, like, the more you expect, the less it might end up... You might end up enjoying it. Mm -hmm. And, like, expectations, even lately in my life, can ruin an experience. Mm -hmm. And that's something I constantly have to remind myself is that things have to be natural and that's okay. Yeah, fantasies are are difficult. A lot of people never live them out because there's, well, there's a level of fear involved of living a lot of them out because a lot of people fantasize about some pretty heavy shit. But also just because so many people fantasize and think that they're going to be into things Mm -hmm. and then they aren't. So I'm always curious and I really wanted to know if that had ever happened to you. Which is okay, by the way, experiencing Mm -hmm. something and then realizing you're not into it totally okay and in the past i've beat myself up about that in the sense of how could i not have enjoyed this on paper it's exactly what i wanted and now like what the fuck is wrong with me how could i not like that and that's okay just to not like it sex can be a lot of fantasy and a lot of mental creation in your brain especially and like especially at least for me and other women i know like a lot of it is just fantasy a lot of it is just like Mm -hmm. stories in our head and it's okay to just let it be that and let the excitement remain as that Mm -hmm. in case like because you wouldn't want it to get ruined if you're not actually into it in real life but also if you can explore it in a healthy way and you do want to that's good too yeah so the threesome what was it the one i'm referring to Mm -hmm. that i did was my first one and it was Mm -hmm. two girls oh so you've had more since then oh yeah (laughs) It was great. It was enjoyable. But I found myself worrying about being hot and performing well. Mm -hmm. One of the most interesting things about... This was pretty early in my sexual career. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But you cannot will yourself to do anything in a sexual context and enjoy that shit. Like... Okay, especially as a guy, you cannot will yourself to get hard. You cannot will yourself to perform well. And the moment you start, it will go away. (laughs) (laughs) And luckily, that didn't happen on my first threesome. That did happen on my second threesome. (laughs) Different girls. So, two girls. Yes, two different girls. I was so worried about staying fucking rock hard and being a great fucking dick to fuck. (laughs) I totally got soft. <laughs> and there is nothing more demasculating or, like, embarrassing than not being able to perform. Okay, but did it ruin everything or were they into each other? It did ruin everything oh. because they were both sitting there, like, waiting. <laughs> oh, babe. Since, since that's happened, many years later, <laughs> now I've come to the point where if it goes away, it'll come back. And it is what it is. And mm-hmm. life goes on. But at the time... I was so embarrassed. I would have hid my face and I wanted to run so fast. <laughs> I was young and that shit was 
horrible. <laughs> so, okay, what's the ratio of your, your threesomes? Is it always two girls? Earlier in my life, it was always two girls. Mm-hmm. And then it was two different girls. And then it was two different girls after that. As of late, typically, there is another guy. Okay. But I can't say I really favor one over the other. For me, a lot of times it boils down to connection. So if I have a good connection with someone, I'm going to want to keep having sexual experiences with them. If I don't, it's going to be more of like a one-time deal, you know, if it ends up happening at all. Okay, so you've said a number of times throughout the podcast that you're a top Mm -hmm. or a dom. Yep. So BDSM, you're into it. Absolutely. How did you get into it? And what were your first experiences like? Um, I should clarify, technically speaking, I am a switch. Okay. I feel my best when I am the top or the dom, but I've had some experiences where I haven't been, and I really enjoyed them. It was very unique, very different, especially because of my personality type. Experiencing that, wild. And that's definitely something I'm open to exploring again in the future, but for me, I typically tend to feel my best when I'm in the flow of control. And that's a big deal. It's something that's super magical, almost meditation-like, that's really therapeutic. But remind me what your question was. How did you get into BDSM? Porn. Porn. Straight up porn. Okay, what paths led you to dungeon porn? I feel like the internet is a big funnel. I mean, Um, I also ended up there, so I'm not judging. So, how I got into BDSM was porn, and then one of the first people I ever dated was basically willing to do whatever I wanted. Mm -hmm. And so I literally copy and pasted what I saw into what I wanted to do. Did you do other research beyond watching porn? Or did you just... And that was harmful. You just yeeted it. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. <laughs> Fuck. Were you no, were yeah. you intimidated by it though? Not really. For me, I've always been attracted to power in everything in my life. And so the power dynamics of BDSM fucking had me hooked from the very beginning. Seeing that raw emotion, seeing the level of exposure that you put people through seeing the vulnerability and that is just fucking wild and it's basically unparalleled in sexual experiences if you don't do things that are power dynamic related bdsm related because it's a channel by which we can express ourselves in ways we otherwise probably wouldn't Mm -hmm. but yeah to answer your question one of my first girlfriends she had her own set of kinks she watched porn she was kind of into it i was super into it I had seen all these things that I wanted to try because that looked fucking cool and powerful and awesome. And so then that just permeated into our relationship. In retrospect, I wish we would have taken things more gradually. And I wish I would have had a better sexual mentor, per se, or someone who was experienced or a little bit more professional. Hmm. Because that shit had a learning curve. And some of it was awesome. Some of it was harmful. And it was a really interesting road and journey not having anyone to guide me through it. And there are not a lot of great resources about that if you don't know where to find them. Right. I think they're becoming more resources, but... In the last 10 years, BDSM has become so mainstream, which is both good and bad, but good in the sense that now, like, choking, restraining Mm -hmm. is common 
even to the point where I saw a meme saying, hey, PSA, choke someone like this, not like Mm -hmm. this. That would have never happened 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Never happened. And this is just floating around on the interwebs, Instagram. Choking choking is a really dangerous kink, but so many people are into it. Just like on a whim. They're just like, I just want to be choked. And they don't know how to do it properly. They don't know as somebody being choked, like what's bad. what to expect, yeah. Um, Or what's going to happen to them. Rest in peace, the first woman I choked. (laughs) Oh my God. Like the amount of times I've been like, no, no, no. This is how you do it. It's fucking nuts. Oh my God. But everybody's into it. And it's such a dangerous kink. Like it's so... How did That's choking? That's what's so addictive, though, is because it's dangerous, and you're. Yeah, that thing we but need how did choking of all things get so accepted and popular? And it's like know, one of the most question. dangerous ones. I mean, a lot of people refuse to do like knife or blood play or anything like that, and yet choking that can kill somebody too, and yet everybody and their fucking mother is into it. Yeah, and especially when you start going down the rabbit hole with choking. There is a fine line between wondering <laughs> if you have killed someone. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, and without having the proper ed- education, that shit is not to be trifled with. No, there's um, different kinds of choking too. Yeah, there are various levels and ways to do it, and most people just fucking go for it without knowing anything yeah. about it. It's crazy. So that's the good thing is it's getting more normalized. The bad thing, because it's becoming more common, people are doing it more without the education. Mm -hmm. Lack of education is what hurts people in these environments. Physically, Mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally, developmentally, Mm -hmm. that is a bad thing. Because now choking someone is commonplace, but you haven't had the education. You don't know the differences. You probably haven't communicated with your partner what they're comfortable with. It opens the arena to so many different ways for your sexual experience to end in disaster. I know. Which is a big deal. One thing that is a disadvantage for BDSM is that people view it as unhealthy sometimes. Mm -hmm. I know I was talking to someone. It's a guy. He confided in me. I like being a sub. I wish that I could be a sub more with my sexual partners without it being so looked down upon. Is he straight? Is it mostly women partners? He's not straight. Okay. Um, and that changes things. Then. It does change things. But to him, and many times in society, being masculine is mm-hmm. associated with being strong and not being weak. And to people, being a sub is associated with being weak, which is yeah. unfortunate because it takes a lot true. of strength either a lot of times people are really attracted to being submissive because they have to be so in control in their like normal life that when they're being intimate with somebody they want to just be able to let go and not have to have all of that pressure and that's a common thing i'm not saying that's all the time but that's a very very like large reason of why it's so attractive to to be submissive in a sexual way is it's a release basically it's a time that you don't have to feel in control and make all the decisions and it's actually in my experience pretty common for men to want to be submissive whether or not they admit it right away or not i've run into more male subs than i have men who will be dominant with me well it's interesting because admitting to yourself that you might want to be submissive to someone is a very interesting experience, especially it's as someone difficult. who goes through life not thinking, oh, I'm a sub every single day, you know, like... I mean, so, I had a hard time with it. Yeah. Because 
I well, I had a hard time with it for a couple reasons. That reason, and then also just the whole giving men more power than I felt like they already had. Yeah. I had to come to terms with you're not giving them more power. You're literally the one in control. You yeah. can take away your consent anytime. You're not giving them more power. You're just letting yourself let go for a while. Yeah. That letting go on both sides is so important. Mm-hmm. It's therein lies the magic. Yeah. Straight up. So long as consent is an issue. Right. Nobody's really gaining so much more power that yeah. it's anything to be really that ashamed or hurt or yeah. upset by. So the advice I gave to my friend was find someone who you're comfortable with, Mm -hmm. who you can trust to be vulnerable around. And basically what he told me was, I'm afraid of being vulnerable to someone. And because of that, I'm afraid of looking weak. I'm also afraid of just being vulnerable to someone. And it's affecting a lot of aspects of his life because Mm -hmm. he is not enjoying his life. And straight up, he told me that the reason he's having such a hard time is he feels like he cannot express himself and it's really rough because society in general Mm -hmm. tells you you're a man you need to be strong regardless of if you're gay or not like masculinity and being a man is associated with manning the fuck up and being strong that's so toxic and it's really rough a lot of you would be surprised how many things in my life revolved around being strong Mm -hmm. wild no, I've always I've always felt that while I might focus more on the struggles that women face because I'm yeah. female, I'm a woman. I've always felt like life has been very very unfair to men and it's not it's not talked about. Mm-hmm. It's hardly ever talked about. And you know, this uh, this could be an entire different podcast, but there's something to be said about that. Um especially since issues revolving around men are just not talked about. Mm-hmm. Shit like dick size. Oh my god. Things like not performing. If you get really nervous and you don't perform, the nightmare that ensues, not only with that person, but with the people they tell, mm-hmm. the feeling like you have to constantly care for someone. If caretaking isn't a trait that you're comfortable with, having to care for someone like that and feeling like you have to be the person that's taking care of someone. It's a big deal. This, Like I said, this could be an entire different episode. And I'm not suggesting that men have it worse than women or that they've had it worse just, than women. It's just different it's struggles. It's just the way it is now. And that was one thing that took me a long time to rationalize was dick size in my mm. life. Because I saw porn and straight up looked at myself instantly. <laughs> oh my God. And just felt small and inadequate. That actually affected me for a long time in my life until I realized... I can't change it, and I'm doing pretty well <laughs> sexually now. Uh, Has anybody ever complained? No. Exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> I, in my life, it took me a long time to just be okay with myself. Um, because, directly, 100% because of porn. Yeah, women complain about porn a lot because it doesn't really fairly display female pleasure Mm -hmm. but i also think that men have just as much of a of a point to complain about porn for that reason alone yeah and performing for fucking two hours or three hours or whatever the fuck you don't realize that there are cuts in porn (laughs) there is recuperation time there's a bunch of shit obviously also there's like enhancing drugs and shit like that but 
as a normal man going through life being like, how the fuck is this guy hard for three straight hours? Goddamn, you know? I would be more concerned for the vagina in that situation. Yeah. I'm sorry, um, three hours? Yeah, but like going what? through going through life and seeing, yeah. well, I don't have a huge dick. I'm just a normal person. I can't perform at the level that these guys are performing. And I don't have, you know, washboard abs. All of those things are internalized as a guy watching porn. And it really affected me. It took me a long time to get over that. Now I'm, That's really you know. sad because <clears throat> you have a perfect size penis. Thank you. <laughs> too big is bad. Most of the dicks you see in porn are too fucking big. And that's not... It's not fun. I have a great relationship <laughs> with my dick. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> and it took me a long time to get there. Long time. Directly because of porn. Also because some of my friends... A lot of my friends had bigger dicks than me. And so then I was like, oh, well, if I have a small dick and they have bigger dicks... Now, I had friends with, with smaller dicks, too. <laughs> but in general, just all of those aspects, just porn affected, porn affected me a lot. You're only going to think about the friends with bigger dicks anyway. Yep. You're not going to think about the ones with smaller dicks. Yep. You're going to dismiss that. That's just a... Mm -hmm typical response like human response to have if that makes sense so i'm curious is bdsm or power dynamics something that you always look for and incorporate with partners like sexual partners that is a great question no no you don't always look for it no, no you i don't, don't always, always look for it. it okay part of being a healthy dom is assessing your partner's needs if I assess that they would not benefit from an experience like that i'm not going to initiate it um, and that's a big deal because forcing a situation like that, like forcing a BDSM situation is not a good thing. And obviously communication plays a big role into that. But if you're in the moment and you've talked about it previously and she's like, yeah, I'm kind of into this. You're in the moment and you, you're reading your partner and she just doesn't seem to be receiving it well. Pushing it past that can be really harmful. And so many times I won't and it just ends up being pretty vanilla and life goes on, and that's okay. In general, I would say, so like that situation aside, I would say it's not something I always look for. I really enjoy vanilla sex. It can be difficult for me to draw a, a line between vanilla sex and not BDSM related things. So for example, it can be hard for me to not end up choking you or not end up pulling your hair really hard or not end up throwing mm. power dynamics into our sexual interactions. But at the same time, I can really enjoy vanilla sex. Not only with you, specifically with you, by the way. I really enjoy vanilla sex with you. I just enjoy sex with you in general. But <laughs> I enjoy vanilla sex with you more than I would enjoy vanilla sex with other people. I guess that's kind of my question is if you know something isn't going to have any like if you can tell when you're talking to somebody that's not gonna go BDSM or power dynamics you're still interested absolutely yeah definitely vanilla sex is just as valid and it can be just as enjoyable and I'm all about it now will I always default to vanilla sex probably not but is it something I enjoy definitely and I've had sexual experiences with friends of mine then it ended up not being BDSM related, and it was great, and we enjoyed ourselves. It's not something has to that has to be all or nothing. Is know? this something you introduce to people a lot? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> like we should try <laughs> this. Hear me out. <laughs> what if 
I hold your hands behind your back? Or what if I degrade you a little bit or whatever, you know? Um, and obviously, like, those things aren't strictly necessarily BDSM, but it is a broad term, you know? So It's very broad. Yeah. Does that go well for you? Do people react well if they're not used to that stuff? Like I said, it's... I. I do try very hard to read the situation well. Mm-hmm. That being said, very seldom does it work out badly. Okay. Most of the time, they walk away and they're like, that was fucking awesome. When can we do it again? I mean, and then, I expected nothing for me, from you. Then I say, as soon as possible, <laughs> let's fucking add more. <laughs> So yeah, um, that's how I that's how I handle things. But again, it's all about communicating and consent and just doing what's comfortable. You know, there's something to be said about the fine line of pushing someone's limits in a healthy way and crossing the line to where they're not enjoying it anymore. What would you say, and what are your thoughts as far as being a good dom and maintaining a healthy experience? That question in and of itself could be a series. I would say the biggest thing is doing it for the right reasons. If you're doing it because you've been hurt and you want to hurt other people, all that can lead to is pain for everyone. Um, And I know we've had this conversation before, but a lot of times people think that one is interested in BDSM because they've been through trauma which is not always the case. But that is probably the most important thing, is doing it for the right reasons, talking to yourself, having that adequate introspection and saying, why do I like this? Why do I like wrapping my fingers around my girlfriend's throat, calling her a worthless whore and fucking the shit out of her? Why do I like this? What is it in this that's turning me on right now? It helps so fucking much to actually ask those questions yeah. of yourself. Yeah, and it's not. I'm not suggesting that you go and you talk to your best friend and you're saying, like, I have this fantasy of being tied up and choked until I'm sobbing. Like, that's not necessarily what I'm saying. This is something you can do to yourself. I would encourage that, though. Definitely. Uh, But, like, it's okay to just ask yourself these Mm -hmm. questions, and you have to Mm -hmm. ask yourself these questions and saying, why am I feeling this way? What is it that's leading to that? Do you have any developmental issues that you know of that are affecting your sexuality? If so, maybe it's time to handle those before you get seriously involved with BDSM, because if not, those negative experiences will permeate into your Mm -hmm. sexual interactions And it's important to realize that because they affect you and other people. And they can drastically change people's lives. That's a big fucking deal. That's why I say it's the most important thing is because as a dom, you have the ability to literally make or break someone at Mm -hmm. times. And because of all the experiences I've had, unfortunately, I've had bad experiences as a dom where I was doing it for the wrong reasons and I hurt someone. And they did not fare well after that. Mm -hmm. And that's entirely my fault. Now, working forward and apologizing and making amends is obviously a big deal, which I have. But the fact still remains, because of my lack of education and my doing it for the wrong reasons, I fuck someone up. Even if it was in a little way, that's still a big deal. It cannot be emphasized enough how important the role of a dom is and how careful you should be about your partner's safety. Mm-hmm. Being in a power dynamic has layers of vulnerability that are so intense, it's 
at times almost like hypnosis. Yeah. Straight up. Hypnosis Absolutely. and hypnosis and meditation. If you start looking into the different levels of subspace yeah. that you can get into, mm-hmm. it is almost it's so close to hypnosis, it, it's not even it funny. It is, and talking to people about that weirds them out, but it's totally the same. I've read books on hypnosis, mm-hmm. I've read books on psychology, the psychology on hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, as a dom, you have to take, as a healthy dom, you have to take into account all those things. So, for example, when I'm going to go into a scene with someone and I know that we're blurring the lines between hypnosis and you know having a scene I turn off my phone I turn off their phone if we're in a hotel I pad the doors so that no sound escapes because you're dealing with someone's subconscious they're vulnerable for you if someone is screaming and and I, I use this example because it was used in a study from an actual physician but he was talking about how he was in a hypnosis session with someone and in the hallway two people were fighting and the two people were exchanging like aggressive words and they were like you're worthless you're never going to amount to anything the patient heard that and their entire life spiraled out of control as a dom that is not something you can afford to happen so as a dom be careful with the power that you're given be appreciative of it be cognizant of it that's the biggest and most important thing is not taking your role lightly because the vulnerability that someone gives you is one of the biggest gifts that you can have yeah and as a sub be careful who you give that power yeah, to. absolutely it's it's really important that you don't just feel like you need something so bad that you're allowing yeah. anybody in and there's a difference between being vulnerable with someone and giving your entire existence to someone mm-hmm which is not as easily distinguished as I would like in today's society. I was going to I was going to say it's it's really easy to blur that line. If somebody strikes you as a good enough dom or whatever to get involved and then you start, it's really easy to go too far. Yeah. Or to, I mean once you start letting your guard down and letting somebody like have any type of control like mentally, mm-hmm. It just can spiral so fucking quick. Very much so. Mm-hmm. So that's a big deal as a dom. Also, again, expectations are a big one. Mm-hmm. If you're forcing your own agenda and it's not natural, it's something that even to this day I need to remind myself. If it's not natural and you're forcing your own agenda, it's just not going to be a good experience. And that's something that you have to realize and that's okay. There'll be another experience. Life goes on. Mm-hmm. It's not that big of a deal. But coming to terms with that can be really hard, especially when you're not experienced and you don't really know how to handle things. That's that's really all I'm going to go with for now. Is just doing. That's the biggest thing: doing it for the right reasons, understanding why you're doing it, and also realizing the difference between inflicting pain and harm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big difference. Being able to differentiate that is very important. Those are probably some of the most important things about being a healthy dom, I would say. And thankfully, that last one, there's a lot more information available that you can find out online. It's a lot easier nowadays to learn at least the more tangible aspects of being a dom, if not like the mental processes that you have to put yourself through. What are your seduction strategies with women? Shit. <laughs> you had 
I didn't know it was coming. I didn't, actually. Being myself is a big thing. Now, wait, before you... This is the most cop-out answer I've ever heard. Humans can tell when you're trying. That's true. If you're with someone and they can tell he's trying to fuck me right now, you're not getting anywhere. (laughs) Is that so? (laughs) Like, if they can tell that you're trying hard it's it's gonna sound it's gonna feel non-genuine and that genuineness is really important um my seduction strategies shit being myself in the sense of being genuine so i don't mean like just being me but i mean more being genuine it's a good tip i guess i should have clarified that a little better but being genuine is super important also confidence Mm. is fucking tantamount the amount of shit you can accomplish by being confident unbelievable Un- oh you can get away with a lot if you have the confidence unbelievable yep. that took me so long to realize in life and it continually blows my mind to this day if i do something confidently mm-hmm. the chances for success are astronomical <laughs> Yeah, but not everybody has such an easy time being confident. What do you tell them? True. Confidence is rooted in self-worth. If you're comfortable in your own skin, you're confident. If you love yourself, you're confident. And if you have found yourself, you're confident. If you have not found yourself, you're going to be less confident. I think that there's truth to that. But I would also say there's something to be said about familiarity with yeah, a being situation yeah, because definitely. you can love yourself and be confident in who you are mm-hmm. and still be so unfamiliar with a situation yeah. that suddenly you just right. don't know how to act. You're right. So it's a combination. Right. And that's important to differentiate. You're right. But especially in social interactions, confidence Mm -hmm. conveys that you're comfortable in your own skin. Mm -hmm. And that's fucking seductive. And that, again, plays back to what you were saying about a woman who has multiple partners. is because she's confident in her own skin. Slutty and sexy. Yeah, and that's (laughs) fucking addicting. Because if I see you the way you are now, fucking hustling, that shit is hot as fuck because you know yourself you're confident in your sexuality you know what you want and you're fucking getting it like how hot is that also developing sexual tension is a fucking art why does tension never get talked about tension is the most powerful tool of seduction possible my seduction technique revolves around sexual tension so much so that if i'm really trying to get someone i will go out of my way to develop tension for weeks for weeks if need be because the longer you build that tension the fucking better that release okay yeah but how do you build that tension that's an interesting question because it's all about the energy you two have Mm mm-hmm And I'm not trying to sound superstitious in the sense of energy. I'm more talking about the chemistry that you have together Mm. and the cultivation of desire that is fucking magical. Conveying to someone that you want them without looking them in the face and saying, I fucking want you, which Mm -hmm. comes later, Mm -hmm. but still is fucking wild. It's straight up just fucking unbelievable that that developing a sexual tension i think the concept 
of developing tension or developing sexual tension is kind of difficult still to wrap your head around. So is there like an example that you have? A genuine compliment goes a long ways, especially if it can be interpreted in a sexual way, but isn't necessarily sexual. That's true. Um, And I know that's kind of abstract, but this is an abstract art. This is not a science. The Art of Seduction, in my Which is a book, by the way. The Art of Seduction. Fantastic. (laughs) 10 out of 10 would recommend. Go read it. It's like a 20-hour audio book, but totally worth it. Seduction, Mm -hmm. in my experience, is something that you just have to experiment with. Yeah. I only started experimenting with it after I was exposed to the reality that really it's something that you have to practice and have failures with yeah. and then but the failures really don't have they're not any failures because you learn there's no stakes yeah. involved really i mean unless you're actually offending someone and you know interestingly enough you that can be said about human interaction in yeah. general like oh, absolutely the most i've ever learned about human interaction was just fucking trying shit mm-hmm. just yeah. going out and trying it sh- goes so much further than seduction and, and sexuality though like yep. it 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 also goes to any type of Seeing human what works. interaction. Yeah, yeah. Anything. It helps with your networking skills. Mm-hmm. It helps with just being able to make friends anywhere that you are. If you are good at reading a room and you're able to kind of figure out the best path to take because of your past social experiences like you're set one of the most valuable lessons that i've ever been taught was by someone who's very close to me he told me in many ways he's been a mentor to me in my life and he told me experiment with shit and of course to which i responded what if i get rejected the way he phrased it was the best I've ever had it described and it worked perfectly for me in the sense that it made everything make sense is that when I'm going about my daily life and I see you, you're hot, you're fucking sexy as shit. I see you at the grocery store. At that moment, I don't have anything to lose because I don't have anything with you. So if I ask you, if I go up to you and I say, Hey, I think you're super cute. What do I have to lose? If you say, Oh my God, go away. Creep. I haven't lost anything because never really had you to begin with Mm -hmm. so you don't have anything to lose being rejected doesn't really do anything because you're not losing anything now if you're in a relationship being rejected is worse right because you might lose the relationship cool but what i'm talking about is Mm -hmm. being rejected in social interactions or really just social interactions not working the way you wanted and experimenting is not a lose situation because you never really had anything to lose in general. So if you go to the grocery store and hit on a bunch of different women, see what works, see what doesn't, you're not going to go home and say, oh my God, my life is meaningless. <laughs> I hate myself. You're going to more are a say, great place, but oh my God. Yeah. You're going to go and say, hey, this is what worked. This is what dis- didn't. Lesson learned. You know? Are you ready? I'm ready. Most random or funny sex story. Go. It's funny now, but at the time, it was mortifying. <laughs> Let's hear it. Um, at one point in my life, I was an adult performer. I was in a room with a producer, a financer, the person I was fucking, and a cameraman. I got stage fright dick. Soft as shit. That shit <laughs> oh, babe. was not coming back. Straight up, as I said before, previously, <laughs> you cannot will so this yourself. This is what you were talking about. You, 
because there was a fucking camera on you. You cannot will yourself to have an erection. I have tried. So do tell why you did not disclose that this was, like, why you're trying to shoot porn. I don't know. (laughs) All right. Well, now you have to disclose this shit. Okay. She, so. Porn. How did you get into porn? I'm just really horny. (laughs) No, I, um, so some of the people I was connected with were interested in starting a new porn website. This was years ago before Pornhub really took over and before it became so commonplace. Now, Pornhub, the words Pornhub are vernacular in a lot of circles. And even the little, you know, like the beginning Pornhub community beats the little drum dealio. That has become a meme in and of itself, right? Um mm-hmm. This was long before that. Um, And so there was some people who were interested in starting a startup, a couple investors who had a lot of money who were interested in investing in our potential project. And it was literally just, hey, I know him. He is comfortable sexually. He also knows a lot of people who are comfortable sexually. Maybe he's willing to be a performer. And then since we know him, maybe, you know, we can kind of like work things out. You can be, like, a part owner, whatever. Did not go well. <laughs> Mostly just because the timing wasn't right and the execution was poor. Um, not in the sense of, like, it was hurtful, poor, but more, it just wasn't great. Trying to balance a pornography startup, a new relationship, and two full-time jobs is not easy. And that comes with its own set of challenges, you know? You were a performer. Did you have any other role? Or just performing uh just <laughs> which apparently or the you lack do. Of... <laughs> fuck um, you tried <laughs> no it was for me it was just performing gotcha me and my partner at the time were just performing um so was it with random other partners some of it was most of it was with people i knew okay was that worse or better oh way better because people you knew was better. i was comfortable with them People that you'd fucked before, or just people I people had had sexual knew. experiences with before, yeah, okay. but that I had known and that I was comfortable with already. But back to the story. Someone paid for a custom video. They already paid us the money. Shit. The pressure is fucking on. They gave us a fucking script. I'm sitting here trying to memorize lines and shit. She is tied to a piece of furniture, and I'm supposed to walk in say some shit, miraculously get a rock-hard erection from heaven. Obviously. Fuck the shit out of her, have someone else fuck the shit out of her, and then, I don't know, say something else. Cool. I walk in, say my lines, get hard, and then it just fucking goes away. I'm sitting here soft. My only... (laughs) My only job... Is to be fucking hard and aggressively fuck this woman. That is my only job. The pressure from having a fancy fucking camera with a gimbal sitting there leveling and like lights and shit and having a producer sitting there being like snapping his fingers and being like fucking say your shit and like fucking pound it good and then... (laughs) And then having her sitting there like, come on, like you gotta do your shit, bro. (laughs) And then watching the person 
a person who's financing this, just watching the debauchery that's happening. Disaster. I felt horrible. <laughs> she felt horrible because then she was like, did I do something wrong? I'm like, no. There's five other men in the room. <laughs> and I'm soft. I can't get hard. <laughs> oh, it's so terrible. It was traumatizing. So then the producer, super chill guy, touches my shoulder. Mind you, I'm naked. And I'm like, please don't touch me. <laughs> touches my shoulder, brings me in close, and he says, listen, I know this is a lot to handle. Grab your girl, go to the corner, have her suck you off. Once you get hard, come back, we'll reshoot. There's no stress. We're here for all day, basically. Great. I go to the corner. Stay soft as a fucking macaroni. <laughs> oh my god. And so then at this point, she's getting mad at me. Obviously. Because we're actively losing money here, and we need to get this shit done. And so at the time, it was very much not enjoyable. Now, hilarious. <laughs> Real fucking question, amazing. though, is did the fucking scene get shot? Like did It you- did get shot. <gasps> Eventually, it did get shot. Angles were a lifesaver. (laughs) (laughs) So the producer, thank God, was really chill, very understanding. And he said, I got you. Pretend like you're fucking the shit out of her and we'll get you from behind. We'll get you from angles where it looks like you're totally fucking her. And it actually ended up being a great scene. The parts where I was hard, we included. (laughs) And it ended up being great, successful. Everyone got paid. Everyone was happy. The pressure, though. The pressure. That was rough. I had never experienced stage fright dick like that to that scale before in my life. And it blew me away because in my life, I'm pretty confident. I know myself. I fucking (laughs) am confident sexually. This is not the first time I had fucked someone with other people in the room. Talk about embarrassing. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) cringe. But yeah, that's my that yeah was wild. Um, it's good for you. It was good for me <laughs> because it helped me, you know, with a lot. Yeah, I believe that. I kind of want to see a video of the whole thing. You know, I like wish the whole day the <laughs> I wish, embarrassment and everything. I think I'd get off to that. I wish that <laughs> I had that video because I would go back and watch <gasps> that shit. I don't think it's possible for me to get it. I'm gonna have to do some digging. But I, oh man, what a, what a fucking disaster, honestly. (laughs) But it's funny, um, that's probably the funniest, most weird, like, thing that happened, just because I wasn't expecting it, it was so embarrassing, it was fucking wild, yeah. You poor thing. Alright. Any weird sex facts or tips to end with? for the sugar blossoms ask what your partner likes now they might not know but if you ask they might tell you that's really important you would be surprised how many times asking hey do you like this or what do you like completely changed a sexual interaction have you found more success with being specific if they like something versus what do you like yeah Typically, if she kind of shrugs or he kind of shrugs and, I don't know, really 
Then I get more specific to like this, to like this, to like this. But if it's someone who is a little bit more comfortable with themselves, they can usually right off the bat say, I like this, I don't like this. And I'm not talking about what are your kinks and limits. I'm more talking about, do you like this? Do you like it when I eat you out this way? Do you like it when I fuck you this way? Is there something I can say that really fucking makes you like, do you like this? What do you not like? Just asking your partner, fucking life-changing. You'd be surprised how many people just don't. Um, Another good tip, communicate. Yeah, obviously. Mm -hmm. But surprisingly, not enough people do. And so... Communication is hard for a lot of reasons, yeah. Communicate. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the best way to learn how to communicate is to start with things that are easier to communicate about or with people that it's easier to communicate with. So I would agree. If sex is something super hard for you to communicate about, it's probably easier for you to talk about it with somebody with less stakes, like a friend, and work your way into it. Realize it's not a big deal with them, and it's less of a deal with somebody who you're involved with. One thing that has worked for me in the past with surprising results is if you can't tell me, write it down. And give mm. it to me later. Mm-hmm. That, you would be surprised. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, handwritten. Put it in a text and send it to me. Yeah. Big deal. Because Big telling deal. someone, hey, I kind of want you to do these horrible things to me. It's so much harder. easier over the yeah. over texting. Exactly. If it's something that you really feel like you need to talk in person about, but you keep finding yourself unable to. Yeah, write it down. How I've handled that is... Either writing it down, but if it's something really important to me to actually talk in person, I tell them over texting that there's something that I need to talk to them in person about. And then I tell them that they have to keep me accountable to actually yeah. talking about it because then, yeah, because yeah, then they know that there's something and they don't let me get away with skipping it. Which I really appreciated, by the way. It's a good strategy. It kind of sucks when you get to it, but yeah. it's easier like, to like it, hold yourself accountable. <laughs> yeah like hold future you accountable than it is to actually like say you're going to do something and then have an out so thank you for coming on absolutely i was nervous at first because (laughs) i didn't really know what to expect and it's always just fun to talk about shit like this you know um all right and talking to you about these things just makes me want to fuck you more so goddamn fuckable fuck me yeah well All right, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I loved it, and hopefully at some point in time in the future, we can do it again. Hell yeah, there's a lot more to talk about. All right, you guys, Sugar Blossoms, I hope you really enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode every Thirsty Thursday. I am your host, Ellie Ray, and I will see you next week. Oh, I love a good sugar pussy. <laughs>